You're listening to the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Experience all the excitement of the casino on your desktop or mobile device at PlayAlberta.ca. Sign up and receive a $50 welcome bonus using the promo code CASINO50. Listen, uh, Jordan, man, the, the rumors were, were rampant last night. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, a few unprofessional, I, I have to say, it, as a media member, I think it's uh, when, when you report stuff that isn't factual and blaming Kevin Hayes is, is not a good look in my books. And, um, you know, if Goche didn't want to be a flyer, that's fine. That That's his right. And, you know, I respect the flyer fans who are like, he's not one of us, get out. And I'm sure the president and everybody, you know, they said, hey, if you don't want to be a flyer, you don't want to be a flyer, I have no problem with that. But, like, the Kevin Hayes one, like, why is there so much anger in that market for Kevin Hayes? I'm not sure. Kevin Hayes is actually one of my, you know, probably one of the best guys in the league, a guy that I enjoyed covering thoroughly. I got to know him from day one when he got here in 2019. I just think he's one of the best guys in the league in terms of being a good human and uh, doing things the right way. He always looked out for younger players, would take them under his wing. And I just know confidently that he would, he would never make disparaging comments and jeopardize the Flyers organization uh, to a young player. It's just, it's just not in his DNA. And, uh, you can even watch it. If you go to his exit interview from April uh, with the Flyers, his last interview as a Flyers player, he knew he was being traded. He was pretty much being booted out the door in this rebuild, and he had nothing but praise for the Flyers, for the organization, for the city of Philadelphia. I mean, that's who he is. So, yeah, I thought it was really just a non-story that I guess kind of ran rampant, uh, you know, in the world of social media. Um but I just don't get it. Um, maybe because the team went into a rebuild during his time here. Um, but I, I just thought he's a you know first-class individual that just doesn't quite deserve uh, the flack that sometimes he gets. So, you know, Cutter Goche, um, you know, there's some reports that, like, the one that I did kind of chuckle at, they're like, well, I was concerned about, like, Tortorella, okay, maybe I get it. But if you, if you never actually played for the guy, then I don't know. But the the one where it was like, well, maybe they're concerned about a rookie GM. And I'm like, you're a rookie player. What the hell's the difference? Yeah, I, part of me was, as I'm trying to wrap my head around it and maybe connect some dots and figure out why Cutter Goche did not want to play here, why he changed his mind, I thought maybe the regime change. Uh, he was drafted by Chuck Fletcher, uh, and the Flyers obviously had gone through some change in their front office. They have a new president of hockey ops in Keith Jones, a new GM in Danny Briere. Um, and the Flyers have a new face of ownership in Dan Helferty. But they are all three very well-liked. Briere and Jones are, like, universally liked. I, I just don't quite understand or can understand or see why, you know, he would maybe butt heads with those individuals and not want to play here. It's, it's still very, a great, very much a great mystery. I just can't quite uh, wrap my head around it. I think it's going to be a mystery until, quite frankly, Gutter, Cutter Gauthier talks and explains his side of the story. Uh, Danny Breer even said he does not have an answer, or they never got an answer, for why Gauthier changed his mind on Philadelphia. So until uh, the 19-year-old talks and explains his side, I'm not sure anyone's going to really know exactly why uh, it got to this point, why Gauthier is now a duck and Jamie Drysdale is now a flyer. So if you look at the player, and, and the flyers get a second round or two, um, if you look at, which is probably going to be a high second rounder, um, if you look at the deal just from player to player and, and where the organizational depth chart and everything, is this a good trade ultimately for the Flyers? Did they need 
uh, the style of player that they received more than the player that they sent out in your eyes? I do think so. I thought it was a really good pivot by the Flyers, considering the circumstances. Some people were hoping Cutter Gauthier would play center, but Danny Breer called him a left winger last night. And that kind of opens some people's eyes that they viewed him more as a winger than a center. And um, I think, as, as everyone knows, premium positions are defense and, of course, centers. Um, the Flyers want to build on their back end. They've said that. Uh, they want to build from the back out. They feel like all the contending teams that are perennial contenders build from the all-important back out. Um, and they definitely need more young uh, puck-moving defensemen. That's the way they want to play. They want to play less defense by getting players that can facilitate the puck, get it up ice, and they're bullish on Brad Shaw, their assistant coach, who oversees their group of defensemen. They've seen, they've actually seen a great deal of improvement from a number of defensemen, old and young, under Brad Shaw. So they were pretty excited to think that they could get Drysdale, who's only 21, now the youngest player on the Flyers roster, in Brad in Bradshaw's hands and let him kind of work with them. So they they were excited to get a player of his caliber. Uh, but no doubt about it, it is disappointing that Cutter Goche is not here. I mean, this is the guy the Flyers had to lose 56 games in that dreadful 2021-22 season to get. Uh, they felt he was going to be a pillar to their rebuild, and he has done nothing but gotten better and better. And he's no longer here. But I thought the Flyers, considering the circumstances, pivoted pretty well here. So they obviously have known for a while, and you know Keith Jones uh, gave applause to uh, opposing GMs and presidents who, who kept it quiet and didn't leak it out there because obviously the minute it gets out, then you know your potential uh, trade uh, value gets weakened a little bit as teams are, aren't as willing to give up stuff because they know the guy doesn't want to play there, and they're like, well, he'll just walk in two years and away you go. Um, you right. look at the uh, at the Flyers, and, and I guess the other benefit is if they look at it this way, is they get a guy who can play in their lineup right now, and the Flyers are in the midst of a playoff race. I know there's still you know half the season to go; they got 42 games remaining, but they currently sit two points ahead of the Devils, the Capitals, the Penguins, the Red Wings, and uh, three up on Tampa Bay in what looks to be like a dogfight. Not many people thought the Flyers would be here, Jordan. Um, do you think they stay here, or ultimately is is their lack of overall skill, you know, their work ethic, no one questions, but is their lack of skill ultimately going to be their demise when it comes to this playoff race? It's a great question, and Tortorella mentioned it the other day, and I agree with him. He thinks teams are adjusting to them. The Flyers were generating a ton of offense off the rush. Uh, in year one under, under Tortorella last year, everything was about defense. Uh, they did it ad nauseum about just playing the right way in front of their goalie. Year two, this season, they wanted to push the envelope. They wanted to generate and create more offense, and they were getting it. But I think teams are starting to adjust. They're starting to realize how the Flyers want to play, and games games get grittier this time of year. January, February, Tortorella said, this is where you figure out who your team is. And the Flyers are having to simplify a little bit and kind of grind games out, and they've struggled to score. So I definitely think they're at a bit of a – crossroads here i think this is when you're going to figure out who they are they've struggled a little bit of late they found a way to get some points but they have lost seven of nine so i think this is where you're going to they're going to have to dig down deep and figure out exactly who they are but they are definitely surprising people uh you know at the halfway point of the season no one thought they'd be here uh and then they get as you mentioned nhl ready talent uh back in this trade i thought it was important for them to get a player uh, that was ready now in this trade because I think if they just got picks, 
I think fans would have been like, well, wow, that's just another step backward in this rebuild. It's going to require even more patience for, to wait for a 2024 or a 2025 pick. They got a player that can impact their lineup now, and it's a guy they're going to let play to his strengths. So I thought that was important for kind of keeping fans on board here and uh, saying, hey, watch this new defenseman that we got. Uh, and, and he's, you know, he's high-end talent, and he's going to play now and try to help us win now. Uh, but definitely I think they're at a breaking point where we're going to learn who they are. Uh, but I do think they have a good locker room. They had some veterans around some younger players that I think they're going to weather the storm a little bit, and I think they're going to make it interesting going into March around that trade deadline. Speaking of the trade deadline, what do you, uh, what do you make of Sean Walker? He's the only pending UFA this season. He's got a pretty good cap hit at 2.65. Well, I guess Mark Stahl as well, uh, Nick Sealer, those three on the back end. If they're out of it, how many of those guys would they deal? How many of those guys would they like to re-sign? I think if they're out of it and they fall off, I think they're really going to try to move Stahl, Walker, and Sealer. And because the, the, the most important thing is the value is really high for Walker and Sealer. Both are having career years. Uh, Sealer is beloved in the locker room. He's a team-first guy, and he's playing the best year of his career, and he's making just over the league minimum. I think contending teams come closer to the deadline when they're a little more willing to give things up to add around the margins. They're going to love a player like Sealer. But I think if the Flyers are still flirting with the playoff spot, uh, they might not want to shake up their locker room too much because uh, they've made something of this season, and Sealer is so beloved. Walker is a guy that's gotten along really well and having a career year and stalls a vet um, that is well-liked. I think if they were to move too many players and to give up on the season, it might bother their locker room, and I don't think they want to do that too much. I think they want to make sure they strike the right balance of rewarding the players for surprising people, uh, but also not disregarding the future. Uh, You have three pending UFAs, as you mentioned, and two of them are going to garner high interest. Uh, but I think Walker and Sealer are, are going to have a ton of calls to John, to, to Danny Breer. Um So I think they're just going to have to really judge where exactly they are. But uh, I think getting a guy like Drysdale gives them even more young depth on the back end, and it probably gives them more incentive to try to move some of those vets that are on expiring deals a little bit older and are giving the Flyers a really good chance to cash in uh, on draft capital. Quickly, when you look at those Eastern teams, and you've seen a lot of them, uh, Jordan, what, you know, of those teams battling for that uh, those wild card spots, the Devils obviously are crushed by injuries right now. Um, the Capitals, they kind of, to me are a team that I wonder if they can sustain it or not. But uh, are you a believer in the Penguins and the Lightning? Where do you come out on those two teams specifically? Yeah, I think those are the two teams that are going to be the scariest, just because of their pedigree. I think you look at the Capitals and you look at their goal differential. It's a minus 23 going into tonight. And I think a lot of people feel like they've lived on the edge a ton and that things, the law of averages are probably going to balance out. But the Penguins seem to be getting better, and they have a core uh, that I think wants to really try to deliver on, on you know, and, and fend off the clock. Uh, and the Lightning just have so much pedigree. I think they're going to – really scare the Flyers probably the most. Them and the Lightning, uh, Penguins and the Lightning, I could not agree more with you there, that they're really going to test the Flyers. The Flyers saw the Penguins last night, and Pittsburgh looked like a really good team, a, a team with with high skill uh, that is starting to find itself. Uh, 
Um, so I think the Flyers are going to be in some dog fights with some of those teams. It's interesting. The Flyers have put themselves in a good spot, but it's just so deep that uh, they're going to have their hands full to try to make something of the season and really actually fight for a playoff spot. As always, Jordan, really appreciate your time, man. Uh, enjoy the off season. Uh, sorry, the off season, the uh, the stretch run here. But uh, man, last night <laughs> felt like an off season deal. People were going nuts in Philadelphia. So there's a never a shortage of emotion in Philly. That is the truth. Never a dull day here. Thank you so much, guys, uh, for having me, and can't wait to do it soon. 